You're listening to Deliberate Living, the podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a nomad, coach, creator, and outdoors woman. And I'm Beers, a vagabond, joy artist, permissionary, and story breaker. We explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms. Finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley. I have my co-host, Nathan Beers, and this week we are interviewing Charlotte and Georgia of the uh, pea pant company, She Fly. I met Charlotte at Outdoor Retailer in August, and I love their product. I love their brand, and I'm really curious to talk to these two ladies about how they're building their company and how that is affecting their deliberate lifestyles and what it's it's doing in their lifestyles. I know they've both uh, altered the way they were living a little, just a little bit, to make sure this uh, company gets off the ground. And I'm curious to hear more about their story. So hello, Charlotte and Georgia. Hello. Thank you for having us. We're yeah. very excited. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and first off, I just want to get a feel for who you ladies were pre-SheFly. So Charlotte, let's start with you. What was your life like before the company? Like, who were you? What were you doing? Yeah, well, we started SheFly while we were undergrads. So I was studying at Middlebury College in Vermont. I was very into competitive debating. So I would compete all over the world, uh, arguing with people. And that took up a lot of my time outside of class. And I was studying philosophy and studio art. So very liberal artsy. Um, I told my grandparents that I was going to go to law school, and that's why the philosophy degree made sense. But really, I just was fascinated by the questions that we got to ask in philosophy classes and really enjoy art. That's amazing. I imagine that debate history has given you like a lot of like that public speaking skill that is so needed when you're like going on a stage in front of investors and you're pitching a product and a brand that hasn't been heard of before. Definitely. And I think the biggest help has been that I can immediately understand what we specifically need to prove in order to convince someone of whatever we want them to end up thinking. And that's something that takes a lot of practice. And I got to practice it on lots of different topics, none of them PPA related. Sure. But it translates. <laughs> And let me just say that skill makes um, co-founder disagreements really fun for me. Oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm like, Charlotte, get out of debate mode. I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> Georgia, you guys met in college. What were what was your life like pre-SheFly? I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of Western Maryland, which um, if anyone's seen the news recently, one of those counties has... Um, officially applied to secede and become a part of West Virginia. So super interesting part of the country. Um, (laughs) And I, I guess I've always been someone who likes to keep all of my doors open all the time, which meant I ended up studying international politics and economics with a minor in global health. So similar to Charlotte, very liberal artsy, a touch of everything. (laughs) Um, And in college, I, uh, a 
especially really lived by a bucket list of just like trying to check things off. I, I think I grew up feeling like there was a lot I didn't get to experience because of the nature of growing up in a small traditional Appalachian isolated town. Um, and so in college, I was really into outdoor adventures and learning new sports. And I was on the crew team and every club imaginable. <laughs> That's awesome. Those are those are so interesting. So how did you guys come together? How is what would how did she fly get conceived? <laughs> <laughs> so the summer before my sophomore year of co- no, junior year of college. Yeah, summer before my junior year of college, I worked as a glacier guide in Alaska um, on the Mendenhall. You really did and just so- kind of do everything then, huh? Yeah, I wasn't kidding about the bucket list. That's like a main driver in my life. Most decisions I make are, I ask myself two questions. Have I ever done this before? And how likely am I be, am I able to do it again? And so I go for the thing that kind of meets those two criteria. That is um, so interesting. Hence, glacier I love guide. those questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I was spending eight to 12 hours a day up on the ice, usually as, the only, if not one of the only female guides, and in comparison to the male guides up there who could turn around, unzip, go whenever, wherever, I found myself having to trek all the way across the glacier, carefully avoiding crevasses along the way, completely remove three to four layers in freezing temperatures, do my thing, put it all back on, hike back to work. And that was just a huge waste of time, a huge waste of energy. And I was always cold for hours after to the point where I just started dehydrating myself, which unfortunately is not an uncommon story among women in the outdoors. And the next summer I worked uh, at Goldman Sachs in Salt Lake City, really changing it up here. No kidding. Um, (laughs) And that is where I met our uh, third original co-founder, Bianca Gonzalez. Both of us... um, we're not huge fans of the internship, but we loved hiking. And she was one of the, I think she was the first person I ever told about the SheFly idea. And um, we got back to school in my senior year. I took a Middlebury Entrepreneurs class, which is like a one month winter semester we have at Middlebury College. And you go from idea to full business model pitching in four weeks. And that was kind of the launch pad and Bianca was the one who really encouraged me to do that. And Bianca knew Charlotte, so she connected the two of us. And the rest is kind of history. <laughs> yeah. So from my end, Bianca and I lived in the same house at Middlebury. We lived in the outdoor interest house. And I had heard that they were starting this company to make pants with a zipper so you could pee and thought it was an amazing idea. Uh, I grew up mountaineering and rock climbing in Washington State and had had a lot of experiences where I wish that I had had a zipper like that, but I was too busy with debate, so (laughs) I didn't think I could get involved. And then I was studying abroad for the January term at our college at the African Leadership University in Mauritius. I was studying social entrepreneurship in the African context there and ended up having to have emergency surgery for a six-inch ovarian cyst. And so I was in the hospital for over a week and ended up finding out I was going to have to take a semester off from school. And all of a sudden, had all this time. So Bianca called me, and she was like, 
you need to just come back to Vermont and and join us. Uh, and part of that was because I'd been running an art business um, for the last couple of years and had been studying social entrepreneurship, so had some of the business skills that we thought would be necessary at the beginning. I'd done the same class Georgia Grace did, um, the Middlebury Entrepreneurship class the year before. But really, I was just extremely excited about the concept and wanted to help make it into a real company. Oh, my God. That's so interesting. I love that this is a business that's being started from a liberal arts college (laughs) by women designing clothes for women by women as opposed to like, like no pocket or pocketless pants and stuff and like like flies that really are not thoughtful um, and useful other than to pull the pants on and off and I, I just I love how many how many norms are being turned and flipped through this process it's it's absolutely beautiful yeah and yeah. Charlotte, it the, sounds like you were taking classes for entrepreneurship, but it doesn't sound like either of you guys had a lot of experience with entrepreneurship. I mean, Georgia, you had experience doing pretty much everything. So like, I don't know, maybe you started other businesses before, um, <laughs> but you were, you just believed in this product and this need so much that you're like, I'm, we're going to figure it out. We're going to make it happen. And I'm grateful that you're making it happen because I'm going to use the shit out of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think... It's less about having experience in entrepreneurship and more the mindset you're bringing to it. And for me, I don't know, maybe my only experience with business was like the classic lemonade stand example Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, But I have always been someone who gets really impatient when problems are just talked about and nothing's Mm -hmm. actually done about them. And I think that's kind of what differentiates founders and entrepreneurs from other people is that they take tangible action. Um, towards whatever problem they see in the world and that's worked out well for in she flies case i think but um to go back to your point nathan lots of uh lots of social norms being broken like far more than we ever imagined and i think there's been a few moments where that became super uh i don't know like became very apparent and i think for me it's been two things one when i end up mentioning she fly on like a dating app profile i'm like oh my god like i'm gonna be the pee pants girl on this dating app like so embarrassing (laughs) like is that the first impression i want to set but now i'm like no absolutely like this is something that needs to change and this is what's happening and then the other has been or at least the other one that comes to mind has been events where we're pitching okay so vermont had this great pitch competition called road pitch where motorcyclists go around from town to town investors and they hear local entrepreneurs pitch and uh this competition i did with bianca and we get on stage and we look out at the audience and it is literally dozens of dudes with beards (laughs) leather pants and i look at bianca and i'm like "Uh uh-oh I I don't know who our target consumer is yet, but I'm pretty sure it's not this. <laughs> and we ended up winning the investor's choice and the people's choice, and it was this great event. And I think just really made us realize that this product and this company and this mission are speaking to 
a wide variety of people for a wide variety of reasons. And that's kind of just been a constant learning process since. Yeah. So, so I want to know about how, like that was the beginnings and it sounds like, I mean, you guys have had a lot of success with different investors. You guys like just won your accelerator programs prize, like just last week from this recording, by the time this is, this is published, it won't have been so fresh, but I mean, that was pretty exciting, but to get, to get here, you guys both had to make some pretty significant alterations to your lifestyles. You were in college at when it started. And then did you continue to graduate? Did anybody take some time off and not graduate? Um, Where are you living now? How have you made those, like what personal sacrifices have you made to bring this to light? Because that's a thing that like entrepreneurs also do, Georgia, like they, they see a problem and they want to take action towards it but like to do so like they have to give up a lot of you know the other like stability and comforts and I'm using air quotes for anybody who's not watching the video version um that that kind of come with a you know not starting a company yes um and this is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about I think I actually challenged a lot of people who pre I mean there were people after that first month-long class who were like you need to drop out of college now and I was like absolutely not um especially being a woman in business I felt that it was super important that we didn't compromise on some of those things that we invested in ourselves getting an education and getting skills in the workforce that we could then bring back to SheFly and building out our own personal network so that our whole identities weren't consumed by this thing that we were still our own people um and I think yeah, I, I've called it like the Steve Jobs narrative of entrepreneurship, where you're expected to drop out of college to move home to your parents' basement and to build something out of a garage or something like that. And I, in this day and age, don't think that is realistic for a lot of people, particularly people who are not coming from privileged backgrounds, which was the case for us. We didn't have that. It wasn't an option to move home. I had no interest in moving home. Um And so I think we really prioritized trying to do it all, or at least I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So SheFly has kind of always been this side hustle while we were full-time students or had full-time jobs. And only recently in the past three months or so have we really jumped off and gone full-time. And that's because it finally felt right to do so. We were in these accelerator programs. We finally felt that we had like the education and the network and the building blocks we needed to succeed. Um, And that's not to say there haven't been personal sacrifices. This has completely changed the course of like where I'm living and who my network is and what I do every day. Um, But I did try to do it more on my own terms. I don't know if Charlotte has thoughts. Yeah, Charlotte, how is... How has your life been changed by this? Yeah, so I also got told to drop out of college a lot and did not drop out of college, (laughs) but I did take one term off and I did SheFly as a class my last semester, so that, that helped me be able to do it, but I did skip a lot of class. I was like flying to California for pitch competitions. Whoa driving to Boston to sleep on a friend's dorm floor to pitch to investors. <laughs> uh, it was it was full-on entrepreneurship. And then after college, I did a year-long fellowship called the Thomas J. Watson Fellowship. 
that gives students funding to do independent research on whatever topic they propose. And my topic was on gender dynamics in the mountain guiding industry around the world. So it was very clearly she-fly related. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was able to combine she-fly into it. So I spent three weeks at our factory in India. And all of my research was going on treks and expeditions with teams of women. And so I got to do a lot of product research. And I tested out our pants on (laughs) month-long expeditions. So that was great, but also really difficult because I was trying to get the most that I could out of this amazing fellowship opportunity while still running a company remotely. And we would have 10 hour time time zone differences. And I would be trying to find hostels with strong enough Wi-Fi that I could join a team call at two in the morning. And that was definitely not easy. So it (laughs) By doing two things at once, it just always felt like not quite getting everything out of either. And our third co-founder, Bianca, actually ended up um, not accepting a job offer at the beginning. And she did go full-time on SheFly for the first couple of months after graduating. Um, And so we all definitely made sacrifices, but oftentimes the sacrifices were linked to just working absurd hours (laughs) and not having free time rather than sacrificing the stability or sacrificing pursuing another career. And then I was on my fellowship when COVID hit and came back to the U.S. and was making the decision, is now the time to go full-time on SheFly or is now a time to get a real day job? And I ended up getting a day job and Part of that was because we didn't have inventory. Our factory had just gotten shut down. We were not at a place to be fundraising. There just there wasn't that much that needed to be done on a daily basis to bring us forward at that point. Mm-hmm. But also, I wanted to gain skills, and I wanted to know what it was like to work in a workplace and have a boss. And mm-hmm. all of those are important things to being able to build our own company. And now when we pitch and we share our story, people don't realize the timeline. They think that we did all of these things before we started the company and therefore take us much more seriously. And if all we'd done since we were 21 is drop out of college and try to build this startup, we might have been able to move a little bit faster because we put more time into it, but we wouldn't have the skills and the networks that we're relying on now to be able to build a successful company And so it's definitely possible to do both, but we were working 80 hours a week and never taking weekends. And I haven't had a week off in a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were like (laughs) laying the foundation, but it's, there's so much work that goes into doing that and like doing it the right way and doing it kind of slowly. And I think you, you ladies had a very smart approach. Like we want more experience. We want more skills. We want more network. Like that's a very mature uh, way of approaching starting a new business rather than I'm really passionate about this product or this service and I'm just going to, I believe in it so much, I'm just going to make it a thing. You guys actually had like a very level-headed approach to, I believe in this very strongly and like I know what I don't know and I need to know these things (laughs) or I need to connect with people who do and I commend you for that. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. You both mentioned 
things earlier that I w- want to revisit. Charlotte, you were talking about being a philosophy major and how you enjoyed, you told your parents that it was because you were going to go to law school, but it was really because you enjoyed the questions that were asked in your philosophy classes. Uh, can you share a little bit about some of those questions that were asked that the process of thinking through it has helped to shape you, to shape your trajectory, to shape the way you see the world and, and have shaped your life? Definitely. So in high school, I did a fellowship program that's called Hurleyed, and the focus was on helping young women gain confidence and leadership, and they gave a lot of grant support for starting nonprofits. So I didn't actually start a nonprofit, but I, I took advantage of those grants to do a lot of nonprofit projects and was always trying to find the fit of what skills can I bring to solve problems. And then I got to college and started reading about all the problems with the nonprofit industry and how solving problems can end up creating more problems and went down this this rabbit hole of trying to figure out how can I actually have a positive impact on the world without creating unintentional negative harms. And my focus in philosophy was on applied ethics. So I was always trying to figure out how can I make the best decisions to have the greatest possible positive impact and is the greatest possible positive impact even the right metric and is that something that you can measure and I started feeling pretty afraid of doing anything because it's hard to tell what the impact of any action is going to end up being which I think is a pretty common reaction when you take too many applied ethics classes in a row and and I was also getting frustrated while I was trying to pick a major because every major seemed to start with a set of assumptions that you weren't supposed to question. Like you had to quest like in, in political science, you had to just buy into the idea that the models that we talk about actually have value. And I was asking, can we model anything in the world? Um, <laughs> is, it, is it even worth creating a model if it's never going to match perfectly. She's just laughing because I definitely ask questions like these and she fly all the time. <laughs> um, so I like figuring out all of the, the base assumptions that we're making and getting to the root of it and then building up from there. And I ended up with philosophy because I went through the entire course catalog at Middlebury and I highlighted the classes that seemed the most interesting and that asked the biggest questions. And they ended up mostly being philosophy classes, so that's how I picked the philosophy major. And then in, in my life now, uh, I'm still asking questions about how can we create the best company that we can, how can I lead the best life that I can, and sometimes those end up leading to revelations and helping me figure out how to create the space to build up from they can also be crippling and make it hard to move forward because I want to figure out what the what the end goal is first so pros and cons <laughs> have, you, have you watched the good place yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I was thinking <laughs> I, told my, I told my advisor that he should teach a, a first year seminar around the good place if I was a professor yeah. that's totally what my seminar would be that's a great idea 
I love that. Yeah, what what it makes me think of is two two things, both like cheaty and just like how crippled he was by his anxiety about trying to make sure he was doing the best possible thing and didn't have any negative side effects. And then um, also the character of Doug, who only shows up in a couple episodes, but who was like at one point was held up as like the best person. And then you later realize that even being the best person, he still was having these negative side effects that the way the system was set up, he was still, uh, he still wasn't good enough. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I love, I love that you're putting so much thought and intentionality into into how you're shaping this business into the the decisions that you're making there as well as just it sounds like decisions in your personal life and georgia you mentioned earlier those two questions that you asked yourself can you repeat what those were yeah have i ever done this thing before and am i likely to be able to do this thing again so I always choose the thing that I haven't done before and I'm not likely to be able to do again, which is how I my life I'm has become s- a, a splattering of random experiences. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to end up sitting with those questions a lot myself. That's amazing. And so you talked about some of the things that you've done from that was you were the uh, glacier tour guide in Alaska. You went, did this internship for, was it Goldman Sachs in Colorado? And Utah. And mm-hmm. Utah, okay. And you've launched SheFly. What I'm really curious, what are some other things that you've done based upon asking yourself those questions? Oh yeah. All I think it's applied both in my day to day life and also on like the bigger three year, five year, etc. plan. Um, which I don't really have. Um, <laughs> but other things so after college I um lived in going back to also to the sacrifice question so far I think the biggest sacrifice has just been like getting used to like not having a paycheck like after college I lived on a mattress on my friend's floor in Burlington Vermont and worked on cheap lies more and then after that I um uh, in college I applied to be a Fulbright fellow so I taught English at a business academy in the Czech Republic that's definitely something I'd never done before and will probably never do again. Um, but that was a really cool experience. And then after that, I worked as an economic consultant in Boston. Um, and now I live in a small, small town in the Rocky Mountains called Gunnison. And I think I've, I've chosen that for the same reason I chose Middlebury, which was when else in your life can you move to this super intentional community that you have to make a huge effort to be there um, and find a way to make it work and meet these people. And I think also with starting an outdoor company, it was really important to me to live that authentically. Like I didn't want to just be like running along the Charles river being like, yeah, I'm an outdoorsy person. Um, I wanted to give it a real go and like really experience that way of life. And so, that's what I'm doing now. Um, and then like day-to-day stuff, like in the past month, I've learned how to split wood, um, how to mountain bike, lots of random things. 
sometimes she'll put things on her calendar like Gigi goes paragliding and I'll call her and be like hey is this with someone who actually knows how to paraglide like <laughs> please be safe don't risk your life like we can pay for you to go paragliding later this isn't the only time you'll ever be able to do this just because she will do it <laughs> you're, you're trying to counter the the second question um am I gonna have an opportunity to do this again yes don't sacrifice your life for yeah, this. Yeah. We'll make sure you get that opportunity again. This is the debater in me coming out. I know exactly what to target so that Cheech doesn't kill herself. It sounds like you guys have a really good balance, like just in general, like in your in your friendship, in your relationship, but also like for business, you know? Like somebody's gotta be a little bit more risk takey, someone's gotta be a little less risk takey, someone's gotta ask these questions, someone has to ask those questions, like someone has to be marketing minded or product minded, like one person can't do it all. And it sounds like you guys are very complimentary in that way. And it's like, it's really endearing. And it makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely yin yang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and the la I guess like the last point to this question that I'll say is, um, I think personally, I have really, I think this applies to She Fly as well, but personally, I find that when I get content, I start to feel really stuck. Mm -hmm. And so it's always important to me to be putting myself out there and like challenging myself and doing something I know nothing about. Um, and it's become this joke with my roommates here in Colorado where they'll be like, oh, like, what are you doing today? And I'll be like, Oh, leaving my comfort zone. See you later. <laughs> um, and I think that's really what we're doing with SheFly, too. We're trying to push a lot of boundaries in a lot of areas where we don't necessarily have experience. And that's led to a lot of growth and a lot of progression. Yeah. So one thing that um, the Deliberate Living podcast is all about is how people um, find whatever freedom they're looking for, right? And I believe, and I've kind of developed this concept of the four different kinds of freedom. There's freedom of time, there's freedom of location, there's freedom of creativity, and there's freedom of finances. And so what would you ladies say is your main motivator? I mean, obviously, everybody wants all four of these kinds of freedom. But usually, there's like one or two that is the most important for any individual. So uh, Charlotte, what would you say between those four is your biggest driver? in life in general it was time location finances and what's the fourth creativity so like creativity. you get to have freedom over like how you spend your energy and what you create i would definitely say freedom of creativity yeah i would say a few months ago i was very focused on freedom of location and that has been a big driver for me i was traveling solo out of a backpack for a year and then was moving around between different cabins and mountain towns and really enjoying getting to see lots of different locations since I was working remotely. But I found that to be quite exhausting and I found there to be quite a big trade-off in moving constantly. I didn't ever feel at home. It was harder to have a network around and constantly adapting to new places meant that I had to sacrifice other things that I love and sometimes that meant that I didn't feel ready to go outside of my comfort zone or I didn't want to go do a big hike or exercise and push myself in that way or I wasn't feeling inspired to paint because I was 
so focused on my material needs and making sure that I had everything that I needed to be able to work and also to be able to be adapting to a new place. And so now I'm definitely focusing more on creating a safe physical environment and making sure that all of my physical needs are met so that I can focus on being creative and not just being creative in the in the business sense of how do we grow this brand? How do we come up with new products? How do we build a community that people are excited to be a part of? But also in my personal life, I want to be painting. I want to be um, coming up with new um, craft projects and arranging my house plants and things that, <laughs> <laughs> that have been neglected, but that I am excited to focus on. Um, my latest project is making paint out of rocks and natural dyes. So uh, cool. Which, so cool. <laughs> I was I was literally reading your Instagram post about making your own pigments just before jumped on the the Google Meet call, and I'm fascinated by that. Your 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 coffee paintings also are gorgeous. Um, I I'd love to hear more about. Yeah, making your own pigments. I also want Georgia to be able to answer this question on the freedom, so I'd love to come back to that. Definitely have to come back to pigments, because uh, one thing that you wouldn't know unless you're behind the scenes with Charlotte is that uh, that means road trips. You stop approximately every 100 yards because she spotted a rock on the side of the road <laughs> that absolutely must be turned into a new paint color. Yes. <laughs> so that little window into the creative process has been really fun. Um, this is a really good question. Charlotte and I have actually talked about this quite a bit in in a similar format, and I definitely think I've gone through phases with this one. Um, Sandy McCandles talks about something called the mosaic theory of life, where like you can't have all of those things at once, but you can go through periods where you're checking off each of those things. And so I think finances has definitely been one in the past, but sticking with a full-time job for a while um, helped ameliorate that one. Location, similar to Charlotte, has been one that I think I've prioritized a lot in the past too, but we're, by the time this airs, we'll be two years into COVID, and so location kind of hasn't been relevant. You're inside <laughs> quarantining <laughs> wherever. Um I think the one that's been the most constant undertone in my life has been time and how I spend it. I lost my dad when I was 21 and there is nothing like a close loss to really reiterate all of the cliched things about like life is short. Time is the most finite resource, not money. So really spend your time how you want. And so that's something that I think has been the biggest undertone to how I approach most things in life. I love Could you that. repeat who that mosaic theory came from? I love that idea. Yeah, Sandy McCandles. She's in the uh, documentary with um, Alex. Uh, what's his last name? Panel. Yeah, for Free oh, okay. Solo. Yeah, and she's an amazing climber and like life coach and businesswoman in her own right and someone I really admire and really want to get a pair of she flies in her hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think both of those answers are really like thoughtful and um, it sounds like you've considered them even before like five minutes ago when I asked the question. I think that's excellent. Um, what do you think 
uh, separately are the biggest pros and cons of deciding to start your own company and then actually following through with it. Because I feel like there's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a self-employed person. I've been self-employed for a very long time. And there are a lot of these like stereotypes around entrepreneurs and uh, business owners and people who, who launch their own things. Um, and so I'm curious what your experiences have been and what you think are the biggest pros and cons. So pros first. Either one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. I would say some of the biggest pros are getting to have complete creative freedom over what you're working on. We decide together what our focus is for the week and what we want to accomplish. And it's on us to be able to accomplish that. And that means that we get to pick what we put our time into and what our creative energy gets put into as well. That can also be a big con because it means the workday never really ends and weekends are only free if you make the active effort to block them off and not take anything on. But that freedom is pretty amazing and it's something that you can't really have when you're working a strict nine to five. I love how yeah. your answer echoed perfectly both <laughs> of your priorities around freedom, around your creative creative freedom, George's like freedom around time. And it's, uh, yeah, but also it's so easy for passion projects, especially to just become all consuming. Um, George, how about you? I think mine strikes a similar chord of being this kind of, double-edged sword um yeah I I feel like I grew up being like yeah fuck the man and now like we are the man (laughs) the woman we are the woman um and so that comes with a lot of freedom to choose how we're spending each day and working on things that we think are important and doing things in ways that we think are efficient or the most helpful Um, but I think something I've struggled with is because we're the ones making the decisions. Sometimes I feel like no one has my back. I'm like, I'm the final say on this. Like if this slips through the cracks, like this is on me. It's a lot of responsibility to be in charge of (laughs) your own destiny. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. (laughs) So sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just want someone to like nudge me a little bit, but I mean, sometimes Charlotte does, but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully I nudge you more than you would like me to nudge you, but (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. I really, really enjoyed getting to talk to you ladies and I cannot wait for more conversations. I feel like I could just talk to you guys like all day long. So let's go on an expedition sometime. Um, You know, I'll come up to Gunnison or you guys come down to Arizona or like some, sometime we'll meet, we'll meet on the road somewhere. Um, but I don't want this to get too, too long. Is there anything else that you want to say that maybe I haven't asked you about? Um, do you want to share with our audience how they can come find you online and learn more about um, your product and all of that? What else do we need to know? Yeah, well, if you're interested in pants with the zippers, <laughs> you can pee outside and you can pee while wearing a harness and you can pee without taking off the utility belt then definitely check us out. Uh, Our website is sheflyapparel.com. 
and right now we're having people sign up for the wait list. Pre-orders will be opening soon, so get on the list and then you'll be able to pre-order the pants and they'll be shipping in time for hiking season. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. Georgia, was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think that's the product plug. Um, (laughs) And this was also such an enjoyable conversation. It's uh, nice to have many existential crises in the company of others. So (laughs) I am the queen of an existential crisis. Next time anybody is having one, y'all can reach out to me. I am here for you. I have been there on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't get a chance to circle back to Charlotte's paintings, but for those listening who are interested there, do you want to plug your Instagram? Yeah. Is there another place that you're, that that people can check out your paintings? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at peak underscore Charlotte with another underscore on the end. And that's where I've been posting most of the new ones. I think awesome. coffee, natural dyes, rocks. And then I, and I noticed I noticed that on She Fly, you have a kooka cloth with one of your coffee paintings on it. <laughs> um, and, that, and I think that that was in stock, right? We have She Fly Kula cloths. And they're technical pea cloths, so you can use them instead of toilet paper. We were actually the first custom Kula cloth ever made. Whoa! So that's, that's our Kula claim to fame. We love Anastasia and everything that she's doing. And then we did a giveaway for International Coffee Day, where I painted a landscape in Colorado, painted the Maroon Bells with coffee from one of the, actually from two of the brands that we were coordinating the giveaway with. And it was printed on a cooler cloth. So if if there's demand, we can make more of those. But right now <laughs> on our website, it's just the one with the SheFly logo and, and mountain okay. that are available. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Georgia. Thank you so much, Charlotte. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope that our audience has learned a little something, something about starting a business and um, how to handle an existential crisis and maybe how to live your life just a little bit more deliberately as well. But (laughs) thank you guys so much. Yeah, I really appreciate this. This has been awesome. Bye. 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 (laughs)